Me and God's holy word to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 5. And we do beg that our great God would come by his spirit and open his word to our hearts this day. Hear now the word of the living God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Father, we ask that you would come now by your blessed Holy Spirit and you would teach us, Lord, about living everyday life 
in light of who you are, in light of your mighty work in history, guiding history toward that great day when you will end history by your bodily, physical return to this earth, uttering your powerful voice, the great resurrection day, the day of judgment, the day of salvation in fullness and complete perfection, bringing all of your children to life, those who are alive, uh, we will not go before those who have fallen asleep in you, Lord Jesus. We know that you will utter your voice and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive will be caught up together with them to meet you in the air. And so, Lord, we will forever be with you. We do pray that you would comfort our hearts this day and that you would not only encourage us but you would equip us to live everyday life in light of this culminating event in history lord when time will be no more and so lord come by your spirit and teach us now uh, as we hear uh, this next instruction in this rich portion of First Thessalonians. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Do not despise prophecies. These short uh, instructions that God has recorded for us in his word are indeed profound. Uh, they are just in and of themselves uh, uh, inexhaustible wells. And uh, it, it is uh, uh, astounding uh, to look at Holy Scripture and to see this indeed is the revelation of God Almighty. Uh, God is speaking. He is revealing himself. He is revealing who we are. He is revealing his will. And so today we come, uh, we look last Lord's Day, do not quench the Spirit. And this next instruction is closely related to it and the ones that will follow. Uh, they're all, in a sense, uh, tied together. Of all the things that we could do to quench the Spirit, uh, the most grievous, the most uh, serious, the, 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 the one thing that would be at the very heart of all the other expressions of quenching the Spirit is this one now that we consider today. Do not despise prophecies. And the instructions that come after this, do not despise prophecies, uh, as we will see next Lord's Day, Lord willing, are the outworking 
of not despising prophecies. Uh, to test everything. To hold fast what is good. And to abstain from every form of evil. Uh, is the outworking of not despising prophecy. So we want to spend uh, just a, a few minutes together looking at uh, verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Well, of course, it begs the question, what is a prophecy? And if you would turn with me uh, to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, we see God revealing to us the institution of the office of prophet. Now, there were prophets before Deuteronomy 18, but the office of prophet is highlighted for really the first time in a, in a major way in the context the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Deutero, two, nomos, law. And the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of God's revealed will to his people. And it was on the occasion of God giving through his servant Moses right before the children of God are going to go in and capture the promised land. Uh, Moses is not permitted himself to go, but God blessed him uh, to have this series of sermons that is the book of Deuteronomy and instructions from the Lord for his people 40 years after the wandering in the wilderness, they are now ready to go in and capture the land. And the whole book of Deuteronomy is God's word to his people right before they go in and take the land. And in Deuteronomy 18, in the context of that, we read in verse 9, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or sorcerer or charmer or medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abom abominations, the Lord is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations which you are about to dispossess. Listen to fortune tellers and to diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And I want you to notice what was the common theme of all of this paganism. It was that these were all forms of a false religion that was instructing people 
in how to think and live. And God says, when you go in to take, don't listen to all of these pagan sources of false truth. Do not listen. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And so instead of listening to all of these false sources of getting information about who you are and who God is and how to live, you are to instead listen to God. Look at verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses is given now uh, this message to the people. And he says, listen, in the fullness of time, God is going to raise up a prophet like me. From among your brothers, listen to him. Verse 16, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. What's a prophet? A true prophet is one that God would put his very word in the prophet's mouth, and the prophet would speak God's message. Notice what we see in verse 19. And whoever will not listen to my words that I that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. A, a true prophet didn't speak his own words. A true prophet didn't uh, uh, ruminate on what God had told him and then uh, uh, put his twist on it. But a true prophet of God, God would put his very word in the prophet's mouth and the prophet would speak God's very word. And the prophet needed to be very careful. If somebody came and said, I've got a word from God, um, God said, just because they say that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. And so God made provision. A safeguard, look at verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. God took so seriously the preciousness and importance of his word being given to his people that God himself said, I will execute those who presume to speak a word that I have not put in their mouth. 
verse 21. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. And so if it was a true prophet, a message from God, everything that that man said would come to pass, would come to pass. It would be like someone who's a baseball player. Every time they got up to bat, they would hit a home run without fail. A true prophet of God, everything that he would foretell, everything that he would predict that God gave him to say would indeed come to pass. Now, in the book of Jeremiah, let's jump ahead. And uh, in chapter 23, here we have a situation where there are true prophets of God and false prophets of God. And so in Jeremiah's day, here's what message God gave Jeremiah. Verse 1, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Here these prophets uh, are, are going to come into view now. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. And then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but... As the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own lands. Now these false shepherds had been feeding the sheep bad food. Where did they get that bad food? Because not only do we see in the Old Testament prophets foretelling, predicting things, but they also had the responsibility of foretelling, 
of declaring what God had already said and instructing the people so that the the people, the sheep of God's pasture would be fed good food. And these shepherds that are in view here had been listening to false shepherds, false prophets, and feeding God's sheep bad food. Verse 9, concerning the prophets. My heart is broken within me, all my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns, and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil, and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness, into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them had become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. He's talking about these false prophets. Behold, I will feed them with bitter food. I give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, fulfilling, uh, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord? And I want you to notice how counsel is spelled there. C-O-U-N-C-I-L. He's not just referring to the fact that they had listened to God. But here's the picture that these prophets were privileged at times to be whisked up. Or God's throne room would come down, and as Isaiah saw in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon His throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And He saw and He heard the seraphim crying out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And so God says through His prophet Jeremiah, these false prophets, 
Don't listen to them. They're just giving a word from their own imagination. Which of them have ever been privileged to stand in my council, in my throne room? To see and to hear His word. Or who has paid attention to His word and listened? Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel... Then they would have proclaimed my words to my people and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. We won't take the time to look at it, but I would encourage you later this afternoon to read Jeremiah chapter 28. And here is the account of a false prophet by the name of Hananiah. And he publicly confronted Jeremiah. And he contradicted the word of the Lord from Jeremiah's mouth and told the people and the king in that day, King Zedekiah of Judah, don't listen to this Jeremiah dude. He's just giving you a, 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 a negative word. I've got the positive word from God. Listen to me. Uh, God's going to deliver you from Nebuchadnezzar. You, you are not going to go into captivity. Everything is going to be great. You're doing great. It reminds me of Mr. Rogers, who takes off his coat and puts on his sweater and looks into the camera and he grins and he says... I love you just the way you are. That was Hananiah to a people who were full of rebellion against the Lord. You will not die. Everything's great. Just feel good about yourself. Love yourself. Everything's wonderful. And you know what God did to Hananiah? God said, Jeremiah, here's what I want you to tell this false prophet. And we will jump over to the end. Verse 12, chapter 28. Sometime after the prophet Ananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah the prophet, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord. You have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And they shall serve him, for I have given to him even the beast of the field. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And you have made this people trust in a lie. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. And so, that's what a prophet is. A prophet is somebody that God would put his very word in the prophet's mouth. And God warned his people, they're going to be false prophets. Be on guard. Beware. Now, before the scripture was complete, and I wish we had time, we would go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 13 and chapter 14. But we're just going to hit some highlights. Before God gave all of Holy Scripture, before all these 66 books had been completed, God raised up apostles and prophets to give the rest of God's Word. And before that was completed, which was completed by the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., God would give new messages to his people. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in the church at Corinth, we have a situation where there was confusion about the spiritual gifts. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, who not only wrote uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians, he also wrote to the church at Corinth. And it's interesting because there are some parallels. Uh, this instruction, despise not prophecies, uh, we don't know the details of what was going on in Thessalonica, but we do know a lot of details because there are three whole chapters that focus on this same instruction in the book of 1 Corinthians. And what we know for sure is that in Corinth, there was a lot of confusion about God's revelation of his will. And the first confusion was people in Corinth thought that if you did not manifest the gifts of the Spirit, especially by speaking in other tongues, other languages, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you probably weren't even a Christian according to this confusion in the church at Corinth. And so that's what chapter 12 deals with. The Lord Jesus gives instruction to his people that look, just because somebody is able to speak in a foreign language that they've never studied, they've never mastered, they maybe have never even heard it before. And God is giving new revelation by the power of his spirit through that person. Just because they're able to do that does not mean that they have arrived at some higher plane 
of spiritual growth. It just simply is a manifestation of the Spirit that Jesus has given to every one of His children because it is only by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, that we can say from the heart, Jesus is Lord, and it's only by the Spirit of God that we have any of these gifts, any of the blessings that God would use us. And these gifts are given not for our own spiritual aggrandizement, but are for the good of the body. These gifts are given by the Lord Jesus for the good of the body. And then at the end of chapter 12, he says, And I will show you a still more excellent way. He says, Do all have these various gifts? And the answer, of course, is no. He says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And what was this business of the higher gifts? Well, then we have chapter 13. And chapter 13 says the highest gift is what? Love. The manifestation of the Spirit in its ultimate, the most precious, the most basic gift that God gives to us is the ability to love, to love God, to love each other. And he contrasts that highest gift with some of these other gifts. Speaking in tongues, even prophecy. He says, look in uh, verse 8, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge where God would give people insight into events that were going to happen. It will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so until God gave all of his word, there were these revelatory Gifts that were in force that God was giving new instruction to his people. Chapter 14, God gave the rules upon which those temporary revelatory gifts were to be exercised in the church. And it's striking because he says that the gift of tongues that they had elevated to up here, he says, actually, it isn't up here. He says, the gift of prophecy is far more important than the gift of tongues because the gift of tongues needs an interpreter to tell you what that foreign language that you've just heard uttered, this message from God, means in a tongue that you can understand. And he contrasts. He says, I would rather speak five words in a known language than 10,000 words in a tongue that you can't understand. Now think about that. 
Five to 10,000, that's a pretty big ratio. And he says prophecy was God giving his word in a language that you can understand. Your language, your native tongue. Well, the day has come that God has finished his word. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. Striking passage of Scripture. Long ago, many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. And the tense of the verbs, He spoke in many ways, in many times, uh, has the idea of something that just uh, is over and over and over and over. And you can think about all of the ways God spoke and all the different manners in which he spoke. An audible voice, God himself would come and appear like he did in the Garden of Eden, and he spoke. Uh, he appeared at times. Abraham, he spoke to Abraham. Moses in the burning bush. Um, dreams, Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, uh, visions, uh, the, the visions of Zechariah. Many times the prophets themselves didn't even understand the vision that they had just seen. Um, well, God spoke many ways, many times. But in these last days, He has spoken. And the tense of the verb there is the aorist tense. Completed action. He has spoken and finished speaking in the revelation of His Son. And the apostles of the New Testament were tasked. You remember in John 16, Jesus told these apostles, I have many more things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. But after I leave and go to the Father, He and I will send the other Helper to you, and He will take all of my words that the Father has given to me, and He will bring them to your mind. And these apostles and those under the apostles finished writing all of the rest of God's Word. And until Jesus comes again, bodily, physically from heaven, God has finished speaking. And these 66 books of Holy Scripture is God's complete, authoritative, final Word until Jesus comes, and He's going to give us more revelation then. He will reveal Himself in all of His glory and splendor to us. And for all eternity, we will never cease to marvel, learning and seeing more and more and more and more and more of the glory of God and His majesty. But until then, now make no mistake about it, the Spirit who gave these 66 books of Holy Scripture, we still are utterly dependent upon God the Holy Spirit to understand one single verse or word of Holy Scripture rightly. We still need the illumination 
of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Spirit to come and take the very Word of God, the Bible, and open our eyes so that we see it and understand it rightly, and so that we see Jesus, the living Word, that all of the written Word focuses on. And then so that the Holy Spirit would give us instruction about how the Word of God written, these 66 books, instruct us in everyday living to follow Jesus. But it's all the Word of God. Now I want you to turn with me to Revelation. And the first three chapters of Revelation have some fascinating things to teach us. Jesus has been raised from the dead and is exalted in heaven. And from his throne in heaven, he reveals his glory to the old Apostle John. And I wish we had time to look in greater detail. We do not. Um, I cannot believe how we are running out of time. All right, we're just going to look at this. We're going to stop after we finish looking at Revelation because this is only point one of despise not prophecies. And I'm just not going to rush over the rest of this. It is just so good, important for us. But I want you to see Revelation chapter 1. John sees, and John, you remember, was the disciple that is described in the Gospel of John as the disciple that Jesus loved. He, he, was, he was the one that of all the disciples was closest to the Lord Jesus. Uh, on the night when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, all the disciples looked to John and said, who's he talking about? John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, when he sees the risen, exalted Christ, what does he do? Look at verse 17 of chapter 1. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And he had seen Jesus walking in the midst of these lampstands. And then in chapter 2 and 3, we see Jesus speaking his word to each of these seven churches that existed in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, uh, the western part of Turkey. These cities. Uh, you can look at a map in the back of your Bibles and find all seven of these cities that existed. And there was a church. And Jesus is giving a message to them 
prophecy, the Word of God. And at the beginning of each of these messages, it says the words of Him, referring to Jesus, and there are various unique descriptions fitting the need of each of these churches where Jesus tailor-made what he emphasized about his glory to each of these congregations. And then at the end of each of these, so Jesus speaks to that church and gives a message to the preacher of that church, to the messenger of that church. He says, here's what I want you to tell. And then look at verse in chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so here we have the triune God. The Father has given His Son, and as Jesus said in John 16, I just don't speak my own words, but whatever the Father gives to me, that's what I speak. And what Jesus speaks is what the Holy Spirit speaks. And Jesus' word is the Spirit's word. And so in our day and time, what do we need, first of all, to understand from our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20, despise not prophecies? We need to understand what prophecy is really from God? And in 1 John chapter 4, God says, Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. God says, you, you need to make sure that if somebody comes to you and says, some preacher shows up and says, I, I've got a message from God. How do you know whether that's true or not? How do you know whether I'm telling you the truth? How do you know whether I, as a, a messenger of God, am telling you a real message from God? Right here. Here it is. Here's the yardstick. This is the prophecy that Jesus has given to us full and complete until he comes again. And at the end of the book of Revelation, you remember what Jesus warned? Just turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them... What will God do? What God do to Hananiah? He took him out of the out of out of the realm of doing harm to God's people. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. God's going to execute false prophets. In his own way, in his own time, these preachers in our day and time who are running around giving a message that is not from Holy Scripture, 
God's going to deal with them. I tremble for them. And every time I think about teaching the Word of God, you know what God says to preachers in John, uh, James chapter 3? Let not many of you, my brothers, become teachers because those who teach will be what? Judged with a greater strictness. And I'm going to give an account. As Ezekiel described in Ezekiel chapter 33, God says preachers are like watchmen's on the wall. And if the watchman doesn't tell the people the truth, God is going to hold that watchman accountable for their souls on the great day. Now you have to answer for yourself also. That's true. It doesn't get you off the hook. But what it does say is, if I mislead somebody, God is going to hold me even more accountable. Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, because those who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. And so it's important, it's crucial for us to understand, what does it mean, despise not prophecies? Well, in the day that it was originally written, the Bible wasn't complete yet, and so God had given to His people what Scripture they did have. And you remember what the Apostle Paul did? And we're going to close with this in Acts chapter 17. And we looked at this this morning in the adult Sunday school uh, uh, class. And if you want uh, to hear more about this, uh, you can listen to it. Online, if you weren't able to be here. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The other translations say they were more noble-minded. Why? Well, they received the word... The Apostle Paul's message, with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They opened up the Old Testament Scriptures, which is all they had, and they compared what the Apostle Paul was proclaiming, saying this is the message from God, if it was indeed what God had said in Holy Scripture. And now that we have all of Holy Scripture complete, that's what God wants us to do. Despise not prophecies. And so, as we're going to see, God wants us to listen carefully to God speaking to us. And where does He speak? He speaks by His blessed Holy Spirit through the Word of of God. How do you know it's the Spirit of God speaking to you? He will never speak contrary to this book. It is His Word. He will not ever lie. 
He will never mislead you. And so if you want to know whether it's the Spirit of God speaking to you or an evil spirit, open the Scriptures. Compare it. Measure it by God's revealed will. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of false prophets on the loose today. A lot. And your life is in danger if you listen to false prophets. Heed the voice of Jesus. Listen to His Spirit. Despise not prophecies. Let's pray. Father, uh, this uh, little verse is so important, so powerful, and we've just begun to look at it. Lord, how I thank you for your dear lambs, uh, for their patience, uh, Lord, with with me. Uh, Lord, we've taken longer than I had anticipated uh, to look at this, but Lord, we're eager uh, to learn of, of you. And Lord, we beg that you would train us to uh, uh, recognize your voice and your voice alone because you're the good shepherd. And, and uh, we don't want to listen uh, to false shepherds. Oh Lord, we want to only hear your voice and follow you. And so how precious your word is to us. We thank you uh, for the Holy Scriptures uh, because, Lord, it is the word of your mouth and it is how you reveal yourself to us. It is how you show us the gospel, that it, it is the path that you want us to live in and follow. And so, Lord, uh, we, we say amen. We don't want to despise prophecies. Your word. Amen. Please turn.